mountaintop Burning like a silver flame The summit of beauty and love Andrea is her name She's got us Yeah baby, she's got us I am Andrea I'm your fire with your desire shut up lately so I think I'm just gonna record anytime I can't do anything else and see what comes out this particular episode and edition of the astronaut series so part two if you will will be more about timey-wimey stuff and what the astral training was like for me personally everything I ever say is always in my experience it's a little different for everybody it's just kind of meant to be a guide and also just like oh hey this woman is coming out publicly and saying that she does this shit so uh, now I have permission to believe in myself and what I'm perceiving So, I will do my intro first because that way I get to cheat and I don't have to do the awkward after I've already recorded something intro. Please, if you could, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, follow me on your podcast app, whatever you use to stream. If you could write a review in places where they let you that would be cool it's kind of funny because I use Spotify and it doesn't really let you review anything on there exactly but I would appreciate that if you would like a personal reading you can email DM PM AM 24-7 <laughs> kidding not 24-7 anyway um, I'm here for you and if you'd like to be a guest please let me know communicate with me somehow you can also leave me a voice message at anchor but I would love to have you on the podcast I love to have guests I love to talk about these things I feel like the more we can connect lightworkers the more we activate each other and remember more stuff so that is my goal always with doing this is just to create a catalyst for change within myself and others because heal yourself you heal the world right love yourself love the world even when the world really ticks you off sometimes uh let's see community calendar i forgot to do this in the last one but what we're going to be doing is just listing events that i know about mostly in the soberish community it's a sober soberish podcast and the associated group on facebook which sounds really funny that I am plugging this other thing but that community is the whole reason that I even podcast or card read openly publicly or came out as woo on Facebook so I am more than happy to give back this way and I have met so many wonderful lightworkers healers uh, 
people just starting out, newbies, um, if you're listening to any of this, you might resonate with it and, or it might resonate with you, I guess is the proper way to say it, but give it a try because there's always fun stuff going on. So the event that I know about coming up this week is at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday the 17th. I believe it's a Saturday. Yeah. And uh, Kristen Tyler with June Bug Arts, who was on recently on the podcast, is going to do her first live art class in there, in that group, to kind of see how it goes and give everybody a taste of what she's trying to do. It's donation-based, and she's going to be painting the goddess Athena, which is totally cool, because guess what, everybody? I have Athena tattooed on my hip, so she had no idea about that, and it's just, I love those synchronicities. They get me so excited. So anyway, astronauts, here we go about some more astronaut training and timey-wimey stuff. This might get to be a long one. I might actually have to split this up into two just for your own enjoyment or um, misery, however you want to look at it. It's all about perspective, right? Isn't that what they say? Anyway, I'll quit being silly and get to it. Love you all. Time travel, time slips, time warps, timelines, so much time, time after time, too much time on my hands, time keeps ticking away, time, I'm afraid that it might take a little more time to record this (laughs) part two of astronaut training, it might be uh, part two and three by the time I'm done. I actually had to make some notes for this one because there's a linear flow to it and there are a lot of parts that if I leave them out or I just kind of freeform it, I think it could get more confusing (laughs) than it's already going to sound. Not to go into too much card detail, but uh, even though I've talked about everything I've already talked about, I still get nervous when I'm releasing things that I haven't really heard anybody else admit to publicly or say, and I'm sure if I went and Googled and YouTubed and whatever, I could find stuff about it, but, um, I kind of feel like if it doesn't cross my path, I'm not meant to know it yet. And sometimes giving yourself too much information can inhibit your natural process of discovery and then you're always questioning well did I really come to this belief or ability organically or or legitimately or in alignment with myself or am I just mimicking others stuff which is kind of funny because that's hypocritical because here I am putting out a podcast and saying listen to me and all this cool stuff I'm telling you but uh you know what I mean there's a difference So, time. I have always kind of had a weird relationship with time. I think when you have the astral nodding thing, and then I also used to disassociate a lot from early childhood trauma. You just kind of get that as a superpower. Uh, 
I kind of feel now like that ability, especially when you took on those things for whatever reason to learn, grow, um, some soul contract with the perpetrator. I don't know. I don't need to go into that kind of stuff right now, but the point is that, um, I think one of the things you're given when you're going to experience extreme pain of some sort is that ability to disassociate. And often that does feel like time because you're, you're missing time or you don't remember certain things that happened or, um, sometimes when you disassociate, here's the fun thing. Sometimes when you disassociate, uh, your consciousness is hopping over to another timeline. Now, there's a lot of different ways and theories of looking at the experience of reality and time, whether it's time travel forwards and backwards, whether it's, uh, parallel universes all existing simultaneously, whether it's, um, some sort of memory, which science has actually identified some different things, like there's deja vu. And then there's some other kind of thing that's like deja vu, only the opposite where you remember something before it happens. Um, but just because science has figured out some stuff doesn't mean that you aren't really having premonitions or prophetic dreams or, uh, jumping timelines or visiting other timelines or other avatars or versions of yourself. Um, so what I understand better now is that I think a lot of times when we disassociate in those experiences, it's not so much that we are just, you know, spaced out. We're, we're just somewhere else temporarily. And sometimes that's just, you know, in the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th dimension with wherever your guides happen to be hanging out. It's kind of like, you know, especially when you're a child, they scoop you up and take you somewhere so that you don't have to be an active participant in whatever your 3D self is going through that will be useful later. So if you've ever had the feeling that a day lasts forever, an hour feels like three hours or a whole day goes by and you realize you haven't eaten or drunk anything, uh, because you've been working on some project you're just absolutely in love with and time flies by. I think those are all a mile, a smaller, maybe 3d version of having that sensitivity and awareness and ability of time manipulation, whatever that means. Um, there's also the simulation theory where this is all a game and we're running the simulation. So where do I stand on all of those things? I kind of stand in the, all of the above, uh, column. And I think that's because I, can see little pieces of all of that and what has been happening to me. And I, uh, you know, don't think that there's necessarily going to be one way to do anything. It's, 
if you think about all of these things, intuition, time, manipulation or experience or jumping or uh, two cut method or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you think about all of these things, ESP, um, mediumship, uh, being spread out across dimensions, like I feel most of the time being consciously multidimensional rather than only doing it astrally or being able to leave your body and remember all of these different things, all of these abilities and experiences are all um, just different kinds of music. They're different genres of music, right? We don't just have one genre of music. We have so many. Uh, and honestly, it's kind of funny. Me being a singer, songwriter, having previous, you know, professional and amateur performance experience and all that and musical training um, and just a general obsession with music. I have been the amount of genres of music that are available and listed right now in our present reality just blows my mind. There are so many I could not possibly keep up with all of them. But the thing that always makes my Gen X heart with a um, greatest generation grandma who raised her makes that heart feel happy is when younger people who would come and be my voice students would be in love with music from the 30s or 40s or 50s or classical or, you know, Baroque or I had some like K-pop. I just had so many, so much variety there. But it's nice to know that the old uh, recording methods and more simple genre of times gone by are still being appreciated. That That makes me feel good. Um, so if you look at it that way, all of these different concepts of timey wimey stuff, as my friend Nimue likes to tell me, are just different genre of time. So one of the biggest things that happened, um, let's see, the future dreams didn't really start to happen until my late 20s, early 30s. And those were more um, like prophetic warning type of dreams. I did have a lot of other future quote unquote dreams from about the age 15, 16 onward about the soulmate that I would eventually meet. But I understand now that <laughs> I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> Um, we were just hooking up in the liminal space until we were both, uh, ready to meet in this earth life. But at any rate, uh, let's see, first, first prophetic dream. I was with my ex-husband. We hadn't been together very long. I had a dream the night before he was going to go off in a pickup truck that was old and didn't have seat belts and they were going in sort of in an off-road gravel uh, wilderness area type of road that was and the place they were going it's called the potholes because you you smoke pot and then dig a hole no I'm kidding um, pot nobody calls it pot anymore grandma uh, 
you jump into these um, falls in this canyon into these pools that are very deep but you know obviously you're surrounded by a rock hole so lots could go wrong there and lots has um, there's plenty of people in our hilltop um, head injury hospital <laughs> that uh, didn't have a good experience there but I had a dream the night before he was going to go with his buddy and you know I mean we were in our late 20s there was beer there was partying there was dumb shit and he was he is three years younger than me so um, he was more partying maybe than I was at that point although the reason I wasn't going to go with him was because I was playing uh, at a big music festival they have here with my band so anyway um, <laughs> I'm full brag right uh, I had this dream that he and his buddy who was like you know how everybody has that craziest friend that gets drunk uh, to the point where they have no blackout drunk, I guess they call it, but they're wildly entertaining and have this amazing ability to be made out of rubber and never get badly hurt, but they're just, you know, out of control and you certainly can't count on them to be useful in a situation. And, um, I had this dream that they rolled out there. And the funny part is, is like to look at it you wouldn't think it's a place that someone's likely to roll but if someone comes at you fast enough around a corner and you're both in gravel it can happen so um meanwhile he's like doesn't believe in any of this stuff doesn't believe me that I'm like please I'm begging you I know this wasn't just a dream something is going to happen if you go and he thought that I think part of him well no I know I know why do I always say that I've been reading people's minds since I was born. I knew he was thinking that I just didn't want him to go and that I wanted him to come to my gig that he didn't want to have anything to do with because I was a rock cover band, but it was uh, this big, huge ass thing called Country Jam and he's metalhead and hates country or then hated country. I think he has a little more tolerance for their music now, but at any rate, uh, so he goes I go to my show. I'm, I think we're doing our third set because we went on on a side stage in between the main stage and those big acts. And uh, the guy who runs the whole thing comes from the you know command trailer on his four wheeler and says, uh, "Your fiance's been in an accident. You need to come with me and talk to the hospital." So, um, they basically tell me, yes, he rolled the truck. His face is pretty bashed up, but he's going to be fine. And there is no point in you stopping what you're doing and driving the half hour away to the hospital where he was because they were just going to stick him in an ambulance soon and drive him to town. And he would be unconscious for a while because they drugged him. So... I thought about it and I thought he would probably want me to finish and I did. So that was the first prophetic dream I had and that was really major. And even though he, um, <laughs> even though I told him ahead of time, he still was like, hey, you just had a dream. doesn't mean anything. Okay. Person with the bastion face and the dead tooth. Uh, 
anyway, that's why we're not together anymore. <laughs> not exactly um, supportive about my real self. But I still hung in there for 20 years and two kids. I tried. Um, then the next future dream I had was at the time I had it, I thought it was going to be about an earthquake in San Francisco because it was very confusing to me. Um, I had this dream that my childhood best friend was surrounded by rubble and I was going to this place trying to find her. And at the time she lived in New York city, but everything I saw in the dream looked like earthquake damage. And, you know, it felt different and I felt the urgency and the panic of where is she and trying to find her and being afraid she was gone and just, you know, it being a really serious situation. Um, about a year later, I think, uh, 9-11 happened and she lived in lower Manhattan and so, um, she was fine. Nothing happened to her other than having to undergo the experience of living there at the time. It was pretty bad, but, um, so there was that. And when I figured out the dream, I was just pissed. I was pissed off. I was pissed off at God. Cause at the time I was still kind of just in God mode, even though I kind of thought of God as just this big universal thing, not a religion or anything. I was like, God, why do I even have this ability? What the hell was I supposed to do with that? Even I, if I had seen airplanes flying into these towers, what the hell good was that going to do me? Um, but later on, I came to, to see that sometimes I'm shown things ahead of time so that when they happen, I am able to react better than I would otherwise. It's not that I'm necessarily meant to do something to stop anything or intervene. I'm just meant to uh, be prepared for it. Now, I think in the case of like an accident of a loved one or something like that, if you get foreknowledge of that, you're supposed to say something. That's you're just supposed to say something. Otherwise, why would you know? So let's see. So that was like back around 2000, obviously, um, that I had that really big dream. Um, I dreamt about the tsunami and Katrina before that happened. I then I, you know, really got busy with kids and, um, I wasn't so much active in that way. I was doing other things like battling ancestral demons and, um, hacking a lot of medical stuff, but that's another story for another time. The ancestral demon thing, which I will get to eventually because that is pretty fascinating and I know it will help some people who may be dealing with the same thing. So, uh, that brings us to the summer of 2017. 
I had already asked my husband at the time for a divorce that prior December. I'm not going to go into all that because it's really not necessary right now. But suffice it to say, after the election and um, the pressure and the shining light on narcissism that the election brought four years ago, I could no longer not see what was happening to me and our kids. And it especially started affecting the kids, and they were the main reason that I finally just asked for a divorce. So that summer, 2017, I, I had been, um, when I started thinking about that I could not be married to my husband anymore, I started thinking about the last time I was happy in a relationship and the last time I felt loved and appreciated for who I was because that was what I really wanted. And so of course, you know, that was a while ago. So I look up, uh, my first grown up love, I would say we were 21 and we had a very short, but, um, meaningful time together, but he was in the Navy and then left. And so we split because there was no internet long distance relationships were just almost non-existent at the time really. But, um, so I found him, he came back in my life for a while. And, uh, as that was going on, a couple things happened. I saw La La Land of all things. It's so funny. I mean, that's why I'm the grooving goddess, right? Music is my jam and it's the way source guides. Everyone talks to me quite a bit. So I see La La Land with my um, youngest, who at the time was still presenting as my girl and had tremendous daddy issues at that point. And then um, I'm thinking about Dan and kind of reconnecting with him and about all of the life that we could have lived together. So spoiler alert, uh, at the end of La La Land, there's like this montage scene where they're like, it's like a rewind of everything that they missed if they had been together, but that they weren't and that the people that they were with were the right ones for them. Um, and while that was going on, oh my gosh, talk about some crazy ass trauma karmic release stuff because my child is sitting next to me having, uh, his daddy issue crisis. And then, um, I'm in my seat having my grief death experience over the life that Dan and I could have had together. Right. If I had made a different choice and he and I had made a different choice over 25 years ago. So I see now that that was sort of a primer of how simulations work and how we can release trauma. Then not too long after that, um, things with him started to go wrong because, you know, if someone doesn't deal with their stuff 
when you run into them 25 years later, whatever was dysfunctional in them at the time is only going to be more dysfunctional. And that was pretty much true for him. And, um, you know, there was no way we were going to have any kind of lasting thing together. So when I realized that and, you know, and I was kind of feeling sad about it, um, cause I honestly, I was, I was hooked into the story. I liked the idea of separated for almost 30 years and then reunite and grow old together. Sounded good, but, um, wasn't going to happen. So I had a dream, but it wasn't really a dream. Um, I went to one of my parallel timelines and in this timeline, he and I were together and we were middle-aged. We had all of our kids, uh, but we'd had them together and our house looked as you would imagine a, a merging of the things we liked in our twenties would be. And, um, while I was in that place, I realized that the reason he was so like a ghost in this timeline, this, uh, reality is that in that other parallel timeline, he was stuck. He was stuck in the dream, trapped in the dream. And the dream was better than his life that he had chosen. So he never came back. I think there is something to this multiple timeline thing where if you become uninvested in the one you're in and there's another one that you're kind of addicted to, you just stay there and let this ghost of you play out this other timeline that you're just really not digging anymore. So, uh, that ha made me have the realization that we're all these fragmented parallel timelines, every possible version of ourselves. And as we heal these traumas, we merge further and further, integrating all of these versions of ourself to get to that oneness and unity consciousness, oneness within ourself, not necessarily, you know, with the universe, but oneness within ourself where we are fully integrated beings. And the more you do this, the more access you have to the dimensional layers. And I did not know this at the time that I had the dream. So enough about that ghost of karma's past. Maybe I'll call the episode that. No, it's not about that. But that would be funny, though. That's a good name. Somebody write that story. Fast forward to summer of 2018. By this time, I had been um, dating a really good friend. He'd been my friend for eight years, six, eight years, eight years at that point. He'd been my friend for a long time and I knew that he admired me, you know, and I was attracted to him as well, but you know, there was, we were just friends. Um, so we tried that out for a while. And the interesting thing that I learned from that experience is that someone can be, um, spiritually enlightened, evolved, open, have a lot of abilities, be able to connect in the liminal space and still be, um, really messed up. <laughs> Not the person you should be with. 
<laughs> I shouldn't say it that way. I mean, I was messed up in my own ways too, but I just realized that this train was never going anywhere, but I understand it was for a reason for both of us and it didn't take a, as long for us to figure that out and move on because we both were more in awareness uh at any rate um let's see I'm trying to think of when I had my first marker that's what I call them like markers or or signposts when I see them in my visual field in a dream in my imagination and a vision whatever it comes to me as um sometimes it will be like a an image of something that has just happened that I, I will see and then I will see like a glowing golden light around the scene or the object or something that makes me go oh this is like the Easter egg in my game and I'm going to figure out, um, this is going to tell me something. And it made me stop and pause and go, what else is there for me to remember right now? And what is this telling me now? I didn't figure that out until a little further along. So I'm probably getting ahead of myself and looking at my list of all of this timey wimey stuff. I have a feeling I may only get through a few more pieces of it and then we'll have another part of this so uh in that summer of 2018 dating this nice man um I discover I have these two uh, us well okay I go to the surgeon and I discover that I have a nice easy little golf ball sized lipoma totally benign but it's causing me pain constantly and they can just pop that sucker out of there and then I'll be fine with a tiny incision right it didn't turn out that way but in the meantime um preparing to have the surgery and then also my boyfriend at the time needed a place to put his stuff that was in Colorado he needed storage space. I wanted to get a new storage shed. Um, he agreed to get one of those nice big ones that looks like a barn and um, put it in my backyard and pay for it and then leave his stuff there. And then when he's done paying for it, he'll come get his stuff and then it's my barn, which was a pretty good deal. Plus, I was still seeing a future with this person foolishly. Uh, not determined to see what was right in front of my face. So, um, at any rate, and he didn't do anything terrible. I don't mean to make it sound that way. We just, he, the, this was just a little detour on our paths. We had some stuff to learn from each other. So, um, I know I'm having surgery. He's going to be getting me this barn. Then in the meantime, my uncle, who lives 2,000 miles away in Long Island, uh, shows up at my house after realizing that um, my split with my ex may have become a little uh, 
difficult and that his presence would be helpful and he basically just got in his car and drove 2,000 miles before I could say oh no I'm fine you don't need to come because I guess he knows me and that I would have said that so he comes and he's living sort of in this like van conversion that he's made into almost like a tiny house and so now he's staying in the backyard um then in the meantime uh someone comes I need someone to come and cut some branches off the tree to get the barn in the back so a friend of mine uh whose husband I've never met tells me that he used to be a tree trimmer and he'd be happy to just come do it to help me out. So when he shows up, he's sawing the tree and I'm staring at him and taking in the scene and I get that glowy thing. And that's the first time this really happened to me. And I go, I've, I've seen this before. I know I've seen this before. And now I didn't remember actually having, you know, like a dream or vision or something at that point, but I knew that it was completely familiar. Then, uh, later on as the barn is being delivered and all that, and my uncle Roger is here, I'm having the same kinds of, um, deja vu feelings about this really strange circumstance and me preparing to have surgery. So early September, I have the surgery and I wake up and find out that they actually took out a zucchini in two pieces. And, um, it was going to be a much bigger deal to recover than I thought. Uh, my boyfriend had been here for the surgery and was very sweet. And we shared a moment of extreme intimacy, which made him run for the hills and then ghost me during my 16-week recovery. Um, at some point during that, I decided maybe we didn't have a future. <laughs> but at least I got a barn out of it. <laughs> um, so, in the meantime... I am literally flat on my back like a turtle. If you want to hear that goofy story, it's on my other podcast, Call Me Karen, spelled the obnoxious way, uh, called Tale of Two Tumors. And um, I'm flat on my back like a turtle. I'm alone. I am sucking at this man-dating thing. And I just sort of said to the universe, okay, look, I obviously suck at this. <laughs> so... I will talk to any jackass that you have message me and um, give everyone a chance, even if there's someone I would ordinarily have not given the time of day based on whatever judgment or criteria I had going in my 3D-ness and ego. So I talked to a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Um, Probably about 80% of them were romance scammers and bots. Took me a while to figure out the bot thing. <laughs> Sad Gen Xer divorcee tales who were married a long ass time and dated the last time there was no internet. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, I did 
meet someone online and long distance thing and bonding, bonding, bonding. And, um, he tells me his name. And when he said his name, which was Ferdinand, I, I suddenly remembered this whole entire crazy trip to the future I'd had because I don't even think considered a dream or a vision anymore. I just think I went to that timeline to that future and saw this experience, um, so that I would be able to get through it all without losing my ever love in mind. Um, so when he said his name and, uh, we were getting to know each other, I remembered that when my youngest, so this is like five years ago, this is long before I asked for the divorce or anything else. I was still pretty oblivious, um, partly because I was having to do chemo every week and partly because I was covertly abused into, um, conditioning that, you know, there is no problem and everything's fine because you're too whatever, you know, too sensitive, uh, too, um, I don't know, whatever, you know what they say. Um, so I remember this whole entire dream and talk about mind blown. And as I finish, uh, the dream story, I will probably cut it off there and then, um, we'll record a part two as soon as I get a chance with the rest of my notes. But the dream that I had, part of the reason the name Ferdinand kicked in for me and I remembered it is five years prior, we were doing online homeschool and my youngest had been reading Ferdinand the Bull for school. And I remembered waking up after having this dream and telling her at the time, I had the funniest dream last night. It was so crazy and it went on forever. It was just going on and on. And, uh, and I said, and it was so funny because, uh, dad wasn't here. Um, uncle Roger was living in the backyard in a camper and, um, I was, uh, somebody else was here and he had a, there was a barn in our backyard and he was getting his stuff out of it. And then, um, I was kissing, a another man, um, named Ferdinand in my backyard. Uh, isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. Oh, and, and that I was, you know, I also had the surgery in there. And I'm having surgery. And so, so anyway, um, as soon as I remembered the dream and then I remembered that I had told said child, I asked him, Hey, um, do you remember a long time ago? Yada, yada, yada. And they did. So he became my first official confirmational witness besides my, um, my five senses, I refuse to see what literally smashed into my face. 
baby daddy. So, uh, that was so exciting to me. And, um, in more detail, uh, I mean, I, I was just dumbfounded. And when I realized this, I thought, okay, I get it. Sometimes I will, and I knew that I had, I knew that there was going to be more happening because I knew this person that I'd met was in another country. And I knew that them being in my backyard was going to be a long ways away. And I knew that part of me having this dream had been so that I would know no matter what was going to come up, that there was going to be this, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because that's aggrandizing something and things happen as they happen and unfold as they do. And, you know, we all thought we would be in flying cars by now. So, uh, let's not get too fancy or cute with it, but, um, just, I knew that a feeling of happiness and joy was at the end of that particular journey. So after I had this realization along the way, there would, there would be more markers. And then, um, you know, and every time they would come up, I would be aware of them. And then I would remember more of what was going on and what was happening. I would understand perhaps the challenge in the present situation, um, deal with it better than I would have without some sort of foreknowledge or check in with my intuition. Um, and this kept happening over and over and over again. And it, it sort of started to accelerate so that I would, and, and then I began seeing more and new things that I hadn't seen before. Um, <laughs> Ferdinand didn't make the cut. <laughs> I'll fast forward to the end of that story right now, but he had a purpose also. And I'm sure, I guess at the time I did for him, but, um, we were not destined to be, you can only lie about so much before, uh, it's not something you can tolerate or someone can apologize for, but it did, um, pave the way for me to meet and recognize the soulmate that had been visiting me since I was 16. Since I was a very lonely, melancholy AF teenage girl crying in her room to Patsy Klein records. There is nothing about what I just said that is an exaggeration. Uh, he would come to me and talk to me and dance with me and, um, you know, in the liminal space, I didn't see him outwardly in front of my, my eyeballs, but, uh, he, you know, he was comforting me saying, we'll be together soon and it'll be a long time, but you'll be okay. So, gosh, that made me emotional to say out loud. Suffice it to say, we waited a really long time, but that was also necessary. So 
um, part two of this <laughs> in the next timey-wimey uh, part three, I guess, now of the Astral Knot series. Because I'm getting to the really fun part where you get to use the simulation to create information for yourself to help you resolve uh, conflicts which come up in your relationship in a way that has the best outcome for both of your highest good. Um, it hasn't always been easy. Sometimes it's been painful as hell. And I think we've almost broken up like three times this quarantine. <laughs> or this year. Just a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but every experience that we had of that was a giant leap forward and trauma release and new level of intimacy that um, being such a touchy-feely love bubble uh, it was shocking to realize how anxiously it, I mean I knew I was anxiously attached alright I'll get to that in the next episode in case anyone doesn't know what attachment styles are but I would um, I, I was so outwardly, you know, effusive and loving and all that. It never occurred to me that I had intimacy issues. Uh, so, um, I, I worked through that and now I am mostly securely attached, which kind of shocked the heck out of me, honestly, but going through this process with my soulmate um, both of us being consciously aware of a lot of it has helped me use that time travel, um, simulation training, uh, time jumping, whatever you want to call it. It's helped me use that to give myself information so that I know what to do right in the situation. And it always turns out for the best especially if I'm following my heart and listening to my heart and my intuition and not always logic. So my lovelies, I'm going to cut it off there and can't wait to get to the second part. I think I might need to take a break though because holy moly, I'm at 45 minutes already. Well, Galactic Groovers, I was right about only having enough uh, in me to probably do the first half of that story. I will record the other half as soon as I can. And um, I felt really a lot lighter after talking about that much of it. And just for fun, being that it is close to Halloween and we're talking about timey-wimey stuff and time warps, uh, let's do the time warp again. I used to do this with my band. And so here's my goofy, uh, quickly thrown together version to take us out. Um, remember to uh, check me out if you need any personal help or attention. And I just wanted to, before I forget, um, thank those who have emailed and left me nice comments and given me good feedback and reviews. It is so appreciated. It really does make a difference. And the most important thing is that it tells me some of you out there are listening and 
this is doing something for somebody else as much as it is for me um, they say if you have something that you're passionate about or creative about do it for yourself and others will show up for it so that's what I've been doing and thank you for being here for that and if you have any questions about any of the stuff or want to be a guest you know the drill so let's do the time warp again <laughs> oh, Brad. Damn it, Janet. <laughs> very much longer. I've got to keep control. Just a jump to the left. With your hands on your hips. You're bringing me in time. But it's the pelvic thrust. You're really judging when you say Another dimension with voyeuristic intention. <laughs> well secluded. I see all with a bit of a mind flip. You're into the time slip. And nothing can ever be the same. You're spaced out on sensation. Just a jump to the left. And then I step to the right. With your hands on your hips. You're bringing me in time. But it's a pelvic thrust. They're really judging and saying. 